We deliver tickets, t-shirts, and everything you need to rock. But what you really get is so much more. FedEx Delivery. Passion. What we deliver by delivering. Welcome to Understanding the Law. Your host for the program is Peter Lamont. Mr. Lamont is a business and personal law attorney and the principal of the law offices of Peter J. Lamont. The firm has offices in New Jersey, New York, Colorado, Puerto Rico, and affiliated offices throughout the country. Understanding the Law is a weekly radio broadcast discussing a variety of legal topics that affect our listeners. Please note that this broadcast does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship with any of our listeners. As always, we welcome calls from our listeners. If you wish to discuss any of today's topics, please call our switchboard at 347-855-8831. And now, your host, Peter Lamont. Well, good morning and welcome to episode 61. We're going to do something a little different. You know, we've had guests consistently now for a number of weeks, and I haven't done a show where I'm just talking to you about, um, you know, important legal issues or general things. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, and today's topic is going to be apropos. It's going to be about summer vacation. Summer vacation, liability issues, things that you have to look out for. Um, I'm doing this partially because I'm in desperate need of a summer vacation. I'm in desperate need of any vacation. So if anybody has a timeshare out there that they'd like to lend me, I'd be happy to take you up on the offer. Um, but seriously, you know, we're going to talk about vacation, and there are issues that arise out of your summer vacation. It's supposed to be fun, right? But believe it or not, there's stuff that happens that you would never think of until it happens to you, and then it's one of those moments where you're like, oh, my God, how did a summer vacation turn into a nightmare? But... Um, I mean, it happens. Look at, the, look at the shows that are on TV, right? When, when good hotel pets go bad, when alligators eat people, you know, you got Shark Week, and look what's going on down at the, uh, the Jersey Shore and off the coast of Jersey. We've got a lot of sharks now. Um, so, you know, I'm not the bearer of bad news. Remember, I desperately need a vacation, so any opportunity that I have to talk about a vacation, perhaps start thinking about beaches, I'm going to take that opportunity. But... Um, there is some serious issues that you need to, need to be aware of because it's going to make your vacation better. It's going to make you a happier person because you won't be sued. So let's start with um, one of the more familiar uh, issues, which is roof racks. You know, I, I went for years with refusing to put one of those, um, those shell carriers on top of the car. Well, primarily because our, our older car didn't have running rails, or not running rails, but the, uh, the roof rack rails. It just had a roof rack, and you had to put the uh, third-party makeshift rails on. You know, and that, that, to me, was just a nightmare waiting to happen because if that thing slips, you've got problems as you're driving down the road. Uh, but people don't really think about that. I've seen people that throw stuff up on top of their roofs, and I wonder, you know, well, first of all, it's not even covered, right? So aren't your clothes going to be wet? But second of all, how do you have that stuff thrown up there? Um, you know, look, in the winter, right, they've made laws that if you don't shovel the roof of your car off and there's ice that accumulates on top of the car and it shoots off at somebody, that you could be liable. 
So it's the same thing with respect to the luggage that you put on top of, of your car. And I just want to remind everybody before I continue that, look, if you want to join today's conversation, I would be happy to have you, especially if you're going to talk about vacation. The call-in number is 347-855-8831. Call. We'll put you on the air. Um, first caller, if you see our new website, first caller gets a mug, an Understanding the Law mug. For every episode, the first caller or the first person that asks a question gets the mug. Um, now, and check out the new website, by the way. It's understandingthelawradio.com. But I've even shortened it because I know that it's a, a long domain name. So it's uh, you. TLradio.com, and it's got some, uh, you know, additional information and upcoming events and things like that, but it's completely revamped. All right, but I digress. Let me go back to vacation. So you've got these roof racks, and they come in all different shapes and sizes. They're hard shell. They're soft shell. Then there's the people that just throw stuff up on top of the roof, old grandmothers, um, you know, whatnot. So remember the... Um, National Lampoon's Vacation, where they've got the, the, I think it's the ant, right? They throw the ant up on top of the roof after she dies. So, you know, um, but yeah, I have to say something about that. He, they had her secured pretty good. You know, she wasn't going anywhere. She was in the chair. They had her strapped down. She was secure. Um, but seriously, you've got to make sure that when you put these roof racks or these, these shells up on top of your roof, that they are secure. They come with these locking brackets that go underneath the rails and then they tighten from within the carrier. And a lot of people, you know, it's, it's kind of a pain in the butt to get up there and do it, especially if you have a larger car, a higher car, and you've got to get up on a ladder and do it. But don't skimp on tightening because in the event that you're driving down the road and there's a failure of a bracket, it's going to occur primarily because it wasn't tightened because that movement as you're driving down the road is going to continue to... Um, move and shift the locking mechanism. If you've got wooden kitchen chairs, right, and you, you have one that's loose and you continuously sit on it and you don't fix it, eventually it starts to pull away from, from the screw hole. And it's the same idea with the carrier. So make sure you take the time, get up there, lock the mechanism completely around the rails on top of the roof. And then don't overfill the shell because you know, why am I talking about this? Well, imagine this. You're driving down the road. You don't have your carrier on right, or it's overfilled, and you've got some sort of failure, and your stuff comes flying off the road. I mean, we see it all the time, right? Half of the people see it, and they're probably like, you know, laughing, like, oh, look at this guy. He lost all his luggage. But it's, it's really not funny because somebody can get seriously hurt. You know, you're driving down 95 or Route 80. You're going out west, and, and you've got 100 pounds of luggage on your roof that's not secured properly. You hit a bump, something happens, and the stuff flies out. I mean, they become dangerous projectiles. It's not just, you know, luggage at that point. It's something that could kill somebody, and ultimately you're going to be responsible for it. Sure, I mean, you could say that it was the manufacturer of the device, but regardless, you are the one that filled it. You're the one that attached it, so liability is going to attach to you. Even if it's a proportioned amount of liability, you're still going to have some liability attributed to you. Remember, negligence, right? Duty of care, these are the elements of negligence. Duty of care, breach of a duty of care, you have to have damages, and the damages have to be proximately caused by your failure. 
to exhibit the duty of care or to act as a reasonable person under the circumstances. So you're putting a roof rack up and it falls off. Well, negligence is going to be implied because you owe a duty of care to secure it properly. Clearly, if it falls off, you probably did something wrong. So you breach the duty. Are there damages? Well, that's yet to be seen. And, and obviously, we would hope not because that would require somebody to get hurt. And then, uh, you know, connect the, the dots. Is the, the damages approximately caused by your failure to secure the roof rack? And in most cases, it'll be yes. So be careful. Take time to get up there and do it right. Don't overfill. I'll tell you a funny story. A few years ago, we were driving down to, um, to Disney World. And I had a, we had a trailblazer. It was an older trailblazer. And we'd not really, remember I told you I was afraid to put stuff up on the roof rails. And my wife finally convinced me, look, we, we don't have, we've got, you know, I guess at that point we had three kids. One was an infant and then, you know, two older kids. And there just wasn't enough room. And if you know what one of the smaller trailblazers looks like, you can get three people in the back seat, two people up front, and then you get the trunk space. So my wife said to me, you've got to get the carrier. You've got to put it up on, on top because there's just not enough room. So I went out. I bought the carrier. I came home. I secured it properly. I was up there. I tightened it. I mean, it, it wasn't moving. And we fill it. And I didn't overflow uh, fill it. There was probably about 65 pounds of luggage, perhaps, maybe um, a small umbrella stroller or something up there. And we were driving down 95, right, and we're – you know, doing the speed limit, maybe 65, 70 miles an hour. We get down into, I want to say, North Carolina. Everything's going great, right? We're making great time. And all of a sudden, there's this vibration going through the car, and right? It's like this boom, boom, boom. And the whole car is shaking. The interior of the car is shaking. And, of course, being a guy, um, I just turn the radio up, and my wife is yelling at me, you know, why are you turning the radio up? Don't you hear that? And, of course, what am I going to say? Yes? No. So I say, no, I don't hear anything. No, it's just the road. It's the tires. You know, men know how to make excuses when they don't want to deal with something like an automobile problem. And that's what I was doing. And it lasted to the point where finally I was like, all right, now I've, you know, I've got to admit that I hear this. And so as we, we drive, I decide, all right, we've got to pull over. So I pull over, I go out, I look, and I realize that it's got to be the roof rack, right? Because the whole interior of the car was vibrating. So there's got to be something with the shell. So, you know, I'm one of these idiots out on 95. We get the ladder out. I climb up. I empty the suitcase, and I think, well, perhaps maybe it's the way that I've positioned it. Maybe it's, it's top-heavy. So I, I reposition it on the rails. I take everything out. I put it back in. You now I'm back-loading it so that the front end is lighter. And, you know, we're talking about a good half hour as I'm standing out there and, and these trucks are whizzing by me and um, good thing I'm not too thin because I would have been blown down the highway. But finally I get everything up there and I say to my wife, it's good. It's good. It was just a matter of weight distribution, right? You know, you can always come up with these things. And so we start driving again and I get up to 55 miles an hour and all of a sudden it happens again. And, you know, it was kind of like we were big pimping in the car because the whole car is going up and down and the kids are in the back seat, and they're like, oh, my God, we're going to tip over. So I had to pull over again. I get out. I do the same thing. 30 minutes later, get everything back in the car. We're driving down the road. Same thing happens over and over and over and over again. So it's now taking us forever because now I can't go above 50 miles an hour because once I hit 50, 
you know, or above 50, the whole thing's shaking. So we get down to, uh, to Florida finally. And, uh, you know, imagine North Carolina all the way down to Florida going 50 miles an hour. I think I was the slowest moving vehicle on 95 the whole time. So anyway, we get down there, we have our little vacation, and I forgot about the roof rack because we had emptied the shell, and all that was up there was the umbrella stroller. And so when we were driving around locally, it didn't make any noise. And I thought, typical man, right? I thought, it fixed itself. It, it just fixed itself. And uh, so when we are ready to go home, we load up the car. My wife says to me, oh, don't forget about the roof issue and distribution. And because at this point I had convinced her that it was all about wheat distribution. And uh, so I load the, car, the roof rack up and I put most of our stuff in the trunk. So now I've got the kids in the car, right? A row of kids. And then there's luggage. And I'm always afraid to put too much stuff in the trunk behind the kids because in the event that you're in an accident, that stuff's going to come flying forward and it's going to hit somebody. You know, a lot of kids die, believe it or not, because stuff in the trunk comes flying forward. And even though they're seat belted, you've got the seat belt restraining them against the seat and you've got this item from the back shooting forward like a, like a, like a rocket, like a projectile. And as their body's compressed against the seat, their head snaps forward and you can break your neck. So I'm always nervous about that. So I don't like to put too much in the trunk. But I had a, a lot in the trunk. and It was all tightly compacted. And uh, it was an effort to try to reduce the load on the carrier, of course, which defeats the entire purpose of having the carrier because it was to give us more room. So now I'm like babysitting this near empty carrier and all my stuff is in the trunk. So this time we get through Georgia. Now I'm in South Carolina, and sure enough, it happens again. But this time, it's really bad. Like the light, the interior light shaking, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, the entire roof is going to come off. So now I'm panicked. So I pull over, and I end up going to the Family Dollar. It was the only store in the area. And, uh, you know, it's like the dollar store. And I go in there, and I ask them for rope and scissors. And they probably thought that I was going to tie somebody up or something because they looked at me like I was nuts. And uh, they said they didn't have any rope, so I had to get clothesline. And, yeah, they look at me as I go out in the parking lot. So my plan is to tie the carrier to the rails. And as I'm up there doing it, I realize that the whole problem here is that the rail on top of the roof was broken. So it was caving in. And when you put the, the, um, the shell up on top and you put the luggage in it, you know how the rails, they're, they're slightly bowed. They're bowed upward so that they can absorb the load as you're driving. Well, the, bow, you know, the rails were bowed, and it, it looked as if it was supporting the weight. But as you started going down the road and hitting bumps and, and, and whatnot on the highway, the absorption of the energy right from the shell was forcing the shell all the way down to the surface of the roof and then would go back up because there, was, um, there were two or three screws that had been stripped, and so the bar was not producing the resistance. And it was only on the, the front section. So now I finally have solved the problem, but there's no way for me to fix it. I'm in the middle of nowhere at the family dollar with people looking at me to make sure that I'm not kidnapping somebody and tying them up with clothesline. Um, and, oh, and by the way, they had no scissors. They had like kitty scissors that wouldn't have cut a piece of paper. They certainly were not going to cut this, this clothesline. So 
I say to my wife, here's the deal. This thing's broken, right? And, and just as a, a point to mention, after this incident, I decided I would always carry with me in my car duct tape, a screwdriver, and rope. And I really think it's a good thing because here's what happened. So I tell my wife what's going on, that the rail is busted. And so I said, I'm going to tie it down to the car. She's all right. And, you know, got those scissors. So the only thing I could do was to walk over to one of these light posts, you know, light posts in the parking lot. And it was a metal, it was a square light post. So I was a big fan of MacGyver when I was a kid. And I thought, all right, I'm going to MacGyverize this. So I wrapped the rope around the pole. And I start to, you know, pull back and forth, right? And I'm like sawing the rope against the pole. And believe it or not, it actually cut the rope. So I was pretty impressed with that, you know, and kind of made my day um, because I was a Boy Scout failure for sure. But MacGyver did me some good. I was able to cut the rope. So now I'm, I'm in the car, right? And I'm wrapping this thing around the car. I had this roof rack so tight that the bars that were supposed to bow and even the one that was broken in the front we're now compressed firmly against the roof. Godzilla could have come and walked down the highway, and this thing wasn't going to go anywhere. I had this thing totally secure, and then ultimately we were able to get home. But I tell you this story, A, because it's semi-funny, and, and B, because it's kind of a, a good thing that, that happened. Because now, like I said, now I carry with me um, duct tape and rope and a knife and some other tools because you don't know when things like this happen. Now, now, I was fortunate because driving down the road, that rail could have slipped off. It could have actually broken, in which case the luggage carrier would have shifted to the right and pulled away from the roof. It probably would have ripped the rails off the roof, and it definitely would have caused a massive accident and could have killed somebody. And I would have been responsible for that. I would have been liable for the injuries, um, it, it could have been a wrongful death suit if somebody had died, God forbid. So, you know, it's kind of a serious thing. People overlook it. People think, well, I'm just packing. Um, in fact, I read my, my little guy every night. He's, uh, he's going to be three in August, and he, you know, likes books at night. So I read him this book. It's, it's called The Night Before Summer Vacation. And it's a funny, cute little book, and it's all about, you know, the things that people go through on the night before vacation. And one of the pages is about them shoving everything that they possibly can into the roof shell, uh, into the cargo carrier. And, you know, they have pictures of, of people with clothes dangling out and flip-flops and stuff. But it's, it's kind of true. I mean, I see it all the time. You drive down the highway, and I always, when I'm behind people like that, that have the anagnus up on the roof, I always move away from them because I'm afraid that that stuff's going to fly off. You big mattresses and, you know, you get enough air um, underneath that thing and those things are coming off. So it's important. Pay attention. Make sure they're tight. Make sure you don't overfill. Check your rails, um, you know, and, and make sure you have stuff with you so that you can fix it if you need to. All right. Next thing I want to talk about is um, automobile clubs. AAA, right, which is, the, is, I think, one of the predominant in the country. AAA, uh, OnStar is another good one. And, um, you know, I have to say, when you are stuck, it is a really good thing to have one of these services, AAA or, um, you know, OnStar if you have a GM car. And a lot of insurances, I believe Progressive Insurance offers it, they offer roadside assistance. And, you know, it's, it's 
normally a nominal fee per month, and it's always a good idea to have it because, you know, people run out of gas, and as silly as it sounds, I've run out of gas. You know, especially when you get down to like a quarter of a tank, and, and you know, if you park your car on a decline, it seems, well, at least we used to have a minivan, and that happened all the time. You know, you'd have a quarter tank of gas, and you'd think you can get to the next gas station. You'd pull over somewhere, you'd park in a decline, and then you had no gas, and then by the time the tank normalized, you know, you stalled. So it's certainly helpful. Um, the tire changing, I'll tell you, I am an expert tire changer. I'm like the guy from A Christmas Story, you know, Ralphie's father. Um, I'm, I'm really good at it. I, it's probably one of the things I'm best at. Maybe I should have been an auto mechanic. I don't know. But when we were away last year, um, I had a flat tire. And we had um, a Suburban, and those cars are heavy. And the jack that they give you with the Suburban, I, I mean, it, it would barely hold my weight, much less get under this Suburban. And I, I think it's just a cruel joke. I think they want to see people struggle with this little tiny jack and, uh, you know, laugh at them. But it was late. It was like 9 o'clock at night. And the tire was completely flat. And I didn't want to take a chance of trying to change that tire on that car I couldn't see, um, you know, and the jack wasn't strong enough. At home, I've got one of those hydraulic jacks, and, and so you can really get into the car, and, and, you know, you're okay. But we happened to have OnStar, and I called, and they came out, and, uh, you know, the guy was a little crazy. He, w- he pulled up in this little tiny car. It was like a Volkswagen Beetle. And I thought to myself, where are you hiding the tools and I can't remember what country he said he was from, Georgia or Latvia. And uh, he's out there changing the tire, but he spent most of the time telling me not to drink water that has fluoride in it because the government is going to be controlling my mind through the fluoride water. And really, I just wanted my tire changed. But aside from having to put up with, with that, changed my tire and we were good to go. And, uh, you know, I didn't have to pay anything because it's, it's part of OnStar. So when people say, is it a good idea, it really is a good idea because think about your risk of injury as you're out there changing a tire on 95, on Route 80, on another major highway, or um, you know, with a vehicle that's, that's oversized or very heavy. Many, many people every summer, not just in the summer, but primarily because that's when most people are on the road, you've got these vehicles that, that will fall off the jack and you'll get crush injuries as a result of them. So it's always a good idea to spend a little bit of extra money and have the travel club, have the OnStar, if you have a GM-capable vehicle, um, you know, go through your insurance. Ask them. Ask companies like Progressive and Allstate, do you have a roadside assistance plan? And even though it's a pain to have to wait 45 minutes for somebody to come and get you, it is much better than being injured on the side of the road, having the car fall on you, so it's a much safer thing to do. So I encourage you to do that. Um, personal experience, I am glad that I had the programs, the, the plans, because they definitely helped. All right. Next, I want to talk about summer fun at home. Um, pools. So a lot of people have above-ground pools, and those people that don't have above-ground pools who have kids you know, you'll see these ads. They're all over TV. I think I saw one this morning for, for Big Lots. There's some at Walmart, Kmart, and uh, Target. They've got these pools. They're either inflatable pools or they're, um, you know, a little bit larger pool 
with a with a filter. But you know, you're talking about 150, 200 dollars for these pools. They're meant to hold you know two to three people, and it's it's a complete do-it-yourself. Just have enough, you know, to get in the water and cool off thing. And they're great. They, they really are great. But what I want to warn you about is a few things. First of all, municipalities will have local ordinances, ordinances concerning pools. And you might think that just because you're going to Kmart or Walmart and picking up a, um, you know, build-it-yourself $150 pool, or for that matter, you know, QVC and some of these online uh, television programs, I've seen it before. They sell these little hot tubs, and they're inflatable, and you build um, – it's, it's like a, um, I don't know, like a plastic wall that you build, and then you put the hot tub in it, anything like that. Where there's water, you have to be careful because your town may have a local municipal ordinance that prevents or prohibits you from having them without a permit and a fence and other issues. Like in my town, for example, if you're going to put a pool in of any sort, obviously not one of the little tiny kiddie pools that you can get at Toys R Us, but anything that's a little bit larger, you've got to have a permit for it. You need to have a fence. The fence has to be a certain um, number of feet high. It needs to be able to be locked so as to prevent drowning accidents. Uh, you know, kids wander into backyards, they'll see a pool, and you could have, uh, you know, a, a very serious drowning in the backyard. Pools, right, are called in the legal field attractive nuisances, and uh, it, it essentially is a very legal way of saying, hey, when a kid sees a pool in a backyard, it's attractive. So they're going to go in and, and, you know, perhaps want to jump in or, or whatnot. And in, in those instances, you could have somebody that drowns. So first of all, from a municipal ordinance standpoint, check with your town to see if you need to have a permit for the pool. It's a quick call to the town and say, look, I'm, I'm purchasing an inflatable pool. It's, um, you know, three feet high and it holds this much water. Do I need a permit? What happens is if you do need a permit and you don't get one, they're going to come because, you know, at least in my town, Neighbors will complain about everything. And if a neighbor complains, you're going to get fined. Do you really want to spend 250 to $500 on a fine for an inflatable pool that you thought your kids would have fun in in the backyard? I don't. So call your town, ask them what the ordinance is, ask them, you know, what you can and can't do, and that will at least protect you from the uh, municipal or administrative fines. Beyond the fines, beyond the permission to do so, if you do have a pool in your backyard, obviously in-ground pools are more of a, um, of a hazard because they are deeper. Above-ground pools uh, are a little bit less of a hazard because you have to climb up on the ladder to get in them. And then these, these lower um, value pools can be, can be a hazard. But the idea is that every pool has a drowning hazard, drowning possibility. And it's bad enough to watch over your own family, your own kids. But if you do have a pool, make sure you take steps to close gates, to lock the, the gates so that kids from the street can't come in. You know, look, look at the Brat Pack type movies back in the 80s. Breaking into people's backyards and jumping in the pool was cool. And I think the kids still do it today. But you have to be really careful because if somebody drowns in your backyard 
And it happens all the time. You know, I, I see it in, in, in the Bronx and in Brooklyn, these, these, these families that have these smaller pools that I'm talking about. Kids drown, and it's a terrible tragedy. Tra- you know, it's unbelievable. I can't, even, I can't even think about the emotion involved in losing a child, especially when you are potentially, or not potentially, but um, um, contributorily or partially at fault for it. I, I used to go to school with this guy. Uh, he actually was a professional baseball player. I don't want to mention his name, uh, but he played for a number of teams and for a while was, was after he was done with MLB, moved out to, um, to Tokyo and was playing out there. He had a really, really um, enlightening experience. They were living in Florida. I think he was playing for Tampa Bay uh, at the time and they had, a, a, they had a pool in their backyard. And there was a sliding glass door that went from their living room into the pool. And their, um, their, their kid, I think he was like four years old, five years old, opened up the sliding door, walked over to look into the pool, lost his balance, fell in, uh, couldn't swim, and was drowning. Um, but, you know, my, my friend's wife saw it. She called him. They jumped in. They, they were able to bring the child out. And they miraculously uh, were able to revive him. And, uh, you know, he really looked at it as, as a miracle because this kid was, I mean, knocking at death's door for sure. And that's really, really scary. And it changed my friend forever um, when, you, well, when you almost lose a child like that. So um, from that point on, he didn't have pool. Um, but you know what? I'm not opposed to pools. I think they're great. I think it's just a matter of being responsible. And I think that a pool... You're going to think this is crazy, but I think that a pool has the same potential uh, hazard as someone who has a handgun in the house. You know, maybe the injury would be different, but a kid's going to, going to if, if you see a gun laying around, there's a good chance that a kid's going to pick it up and, and use it. Same with a pool, attractive nuisances, right? So be careful. Make sure that you protect yourself from fines. So go down to the town and ask the municipal entity what you need to do so that they don't come knocking at your door with a fine. Um, And then, more importantly, make sure that you do lock your gates, that you protect that back. If you have a pool cover that you can put on at night, um, that sort of thing, it's a good idea because you just want to make sure that a kid doesn't fall in, your kid or somebody else's kid. Um, You know, it's a tragic thing, and I I wouldn't want to see that happen to anybody. obvious other issues with with pools is drowning that is not a result of somebody falling in because somebody left the pool unoccupied or um, or open but make sure that when you put the floating devices on your kids that you don't just leave them in the pool with these floating devices they're not a hundred percent you know um, gonna do the job in fact there are some that will dip the kid either forwards or backwards if they're at the right angle um, and they can actually force the kid's face into the water and even though they're using this flotation device they've got their face being pushed down into the water and then they drown so that's something you really have to be aware of don't put a floating device on your kid stick them in the pool seeing bobbing around and think it's okay you've got to stay there Um, it's just too important to leave a kid, even if you're going to do something quick, like, you know, go change the laundry and you can see him and you come back, 
just don't do it. It's really not worth it. It's a very, um, it's a scary thing. And, and the same with the ocean. I'm a big fan of the ocean. And I used to, before I had kids, I used to go way out. Um, I'm a decent swimmer, and I really enjoy going out where, you know, the water is, you're actually floating in the water. You can barely touch the ground. Um, but since I've had kids, I've been a little more cautious because, you know, they depend on me. My family depends on me. I don't want anything to happen to me being stupid just because I want to go out deep in the ocean. But, you know, you really have to be careful. You have to be aware of undertow and things like that because it's real. And, the, you know, Mother Nature is such a powerful force. And if, if that ocean's going to suck you in, there is nothing you can do about it. And it's, uh, it's a little scary. So when you have your kids down at the beach, make sure that you're with them. Make sure that you don't let them go in too far by themselves because all it takes with a you know, 30, 40-pound kid is a little bit of pull as the, um, the wave is coming back into the water. You know, you have a kid that's in just enough, and they're gonna, that, that water's going to pull the kid in. So be very careful. Have fun. I'm not you know, one of these people that has my kid in a bubble by a long shot, but you've got to at least as a parent be responsible because it's, uh, it's slightly frightening. You know, you don't want anything to happen to your, your kids. You don't want anything to happen to you. And it doesn't have to just be a four- or five-year-old. It could be your 17-year-old son or daughter. You know, I mean, teenagers, let's face it, right? They're, um, they know everything, number one, and they're untouchable. Nothing can happen to them. And we all know that that's not true. That's how they think. But you've got to be at least aware because even a 17-year-old strong swimmer could be sucked in, um, even an adult. It happens all the time. And then, of course... If you're a fan of Shark Week, um, there are sharks. It's, it's a fact, and, and there have been a lot of shark attacks recently on the Jersey Shore. There's a lot of theories behind why, um, but quite frankly, I don't care. I just wouldn't want to get bitten by a shark. So, you know, just be aware of your surroundings. That's all I'm going to say with respect to pools and, and ocean and water and that sort of thing. Oh, you know, I lied. I'm going to tell you one more thing about water. You've probably seen over the years uh, lawsuits that have have stemmed from the use of those slip and slide mats. You know, essentially what it is is it's a um, a slick plastic mat that you lay down in the backyard and you you put water on it, and then your kids start like way back in the neighbor's yard and they yell Geronimo and run, throw themselves on this slippery pad, and kids are getting paralyzed from it. I mean, it's, it's actually really slippery. I mean, I've, I've seen them. Um, I've never been on them. If I was on one, there probably would be some sort of seismic activity registered. So I don't, I don't do that. Um, but they're really slippery. So you have to be really careful because a kid going at a, at a good rate of speed, you can flip over, you can break your neck, you can hit your head into something. Um, the idea of placing this mat on, on grass, I mean, the ground is hard, let's face it. So you come running at it and you mistime your dive or, you know, you're a little off in the placement of where you land. You can get really hurt. So those things I think are a little dangerous. Um, I'd be a little cautious of them. I think that in and of themselves they might be dangerous. So, you know, and that's based upon the number of lawsuits over the years involving those, uh, those sort of outdoor tools, toys. So be careful with that. 
Um, other thing that see, I just keep going with water. I just can't get away from it. Um, but but like the water activities, there's one more thing that I've seen a lot recently in the news, and through the courts, there's been a lot of litigation about it. You know the the inflatable bouncy houses. Well, first of all, I love them. I think they're awesome, uh, and my kids do too. We don't have one of those gigantic ones that you'd go and rent for a party, like the giant inflatable bouncy castle that's probably bigger than my house. We've got one of those little ones. I think they're by, um, oh, um, just can't remember the name of the company. It's got a white and red label, but Step 2 maybe, something like that. Well, in any event, these things are great, and they have the, uh, the blowers, and they blow up the bouncy house at school. But if you go back to the spring of this year, there were a number of reports where gusts of wind lifted these bouncy houses that had kids in them up in the air and threw them feet, like hundreds or thousands of feet away, and serious injuries had, had occurred. And then there were a lot of lawsuits that were filed as well against the manufacturer of the product because of product liability claims. But, you know, there's warning labels. There's warnings inside the instructions and inside the uh, or on top of, um, you know, like a sticker or a label affixed to the bouncy house itself. And they warn you that they've got to be staked into the ground. You shouldn't use them on windy days. Search it up on YouTube because it's amazing footage of these kids being sucked up in the air. There was one in upstate New York, I think, in the spring. And it was crazy because I'm pretty certain it's the same house that I have for my kids. And, you know, believe it or not, these things happen. So I'm not telling you to be paranoid. I'm not telling you to keep your kids inside this summer. But just be aware of these issues because they're really frightening. And I wouldn't want to see anybody's kids get injured, not on a summer vacation where you're supposed to be fun. Um, you know, you do something fun for them. You get them a, um, a nice bouncy house or a pool or whatever, and then you've got a tragedy that occurs. So be, uh, be careful with that, please. Okay, um, let's talk now a little bit about hotels. So, hotels. I've been in every hotel imaginable. I have been in cabins that look like um, the scene of a murder. I have been in really nice hotels. But the one thing that's consistent is that hotels can have a lot of, of potential for injury. I want to tell you about a lawsuit that uh, I was involved in about seven years ago, eight years ago. Uh, this family, they won a vacation to, I want to say it was somewhere in Puerto Rico, to the Puerto Rico or Jamaica. And they had this all expense paid vacation. They went down to this resort and they get into the hotel room and everything's great, right? And um, on the way out of the hotel room, they were going to go take a boat ride or something. Their kid, who was, I think, 12 years old at the time, had his fingers in the door jam, and the door was open. And hotel doors are very, very heavy. As the door closed, he didn't get his hand out in time, and it cut off four of his fingers. I mean, that's, it's like a guillotine. This thing was just like, you know, chop, and it, it got his fingers. Um, they were able to surgically reattach three of the four fingers, uh, but, you know, he was never the same. And they sued the resort uh, and were able to recover a, a, a significant amount of, uh, of money 
But, look, I'd rather have my fingers than money, and I'd rather have my kids have their fingers than money. So um, you, know, you just have to be cognizant of that. You have to be aware of it. I'm always, after that case, I'm, I'm always yelling at my kids, get your hands out of there because I don't want the doors to come and, and, and chop off their fingers. So um, you know, th- there's, there's liability issues that you've got to be aware of in a hotel. Now, injuries in a hotel, trip and falls, um, uneven pavement, things like that. What should you do if you are the unfortunate victim of a vacation accident in a hotel? Well, I know that you might be embarrassed, right? You know, you've got your fancy flip-flops on, you're walking to the pool, and you just, uh, you know, wipe out, and you plant your face on the cement, and you're bleeding, and you're embarrassed, and you just want to run back into the hotel room. But don't. You know, have somebody call management. Have somebody call somebody at the front desk and fill out an accident report. Here's why filling out an accident report is so super important. Because let's assume you fall on Monday and you're embarrassed and you run back in your room, you wash yourself up and, you know, it is what it is. You don't tell anybody. But three days later, you realize that your face is swollen and it's possible that maybe you fractured, uh, you know, your orbital socket or something like that. And now you go and you want to get the hotel to help cover your medical bills. And the hotel says, no, we have no proof that this happened on hotel property. So you sue them and you say, here's what happened. Well, unless you can produce witnesses that can testify that they saw you fall, that you were, you know, you hit your face, you hit your eye, um, you're going to have a difficult road to hoe because you have no proof. But if you had filed an accident report, at least they're on notice of an accident that occurred, when it occurred, where you were, what happened. And now if you go to sue, now there's some sort of proof, some sort of evidence that, hey, yeah, this is causally connected. I did fall at the resort. I did get injured. Maybe I didn't go to the hospital because I thought I might be okay. But at least they're not going to challenge you and say, oh, you know, how do we know that you were injured at the hotel? So, Fill out an accident report, even if it's a minor thing, even if you think you're okay, because a lot of times injuries manifest themselves over time. You're injured. There's a lot of adrenaline. You know, there's a lot of embarrassment. You feel okay. And then later that night, you feel it. And you're like, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. Maybe I should go to the doctor. Sometimes it's a few days later. But if you don't document that through an accident report, you're going to have a really hard time trying to prove that you were injured at the resort later. Hotels and their insurance companies are not interested in helping you recover money. They want to take your money and, you know, they don't want to pay out. So you have to be able to demonstrate that, hey, look, I was injured. I remember when I was a kid, my grandmother, um, we were in, I think we were in Massachusetts somewhere, uh, maybe Cape Cod, and she was walking to the room from an indoor pool, and if I recall correctly, the entire interior uh, courtyard of the pool, of of the hotel, was a pool. And then the rooms were in a uh, a rectangular shape around the pool. And I remember her walking back, and there was a ramp, and she tripped and fell down the ramp and hurt her arm and was completely mortified. So she just wanted, you know, to be scooped up and, and brought back into the room. And then, um, you know, a few days later, she was complaining about uh, her wrist hurting, her arm hurting. 
and ultimately went to the hospital and they said that it was a fracture and it had to be, I think it was splinted, um, one of those soft splints. And, you know, she was in it for a while in pain. And obviously, as you get older, you get arthritis in, in those injured areas. But she never filled out a, an accident report. And um, while she didn't go to sue the hospital, because my family was just not like that, they were never um, the litigious type. They would always just say, oh, it's too much hassle, too much work, and, and whatever. But, um, you know, there is a prime example where she might have been able to recover money. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting because it really, those of you that have either worked with our office or know me, I am not a big fan of the ambulance chaser attorney, the attorney that tells everybody to sue and, you know, let's get some money. And, and I'm not, that's not our practice. And um, I, I, I can't stand people like that. If that's how they make their living, fine, but that's not how we work and uh, so I'm not encouraging people to go out and sue simply because you need a little pocket change. But if you are injured and it's the result of the negligence of a hotel, then, you know, you are entitled. It is proper and, and appropriate for you to get your medical uh, expenses reimbursed or uh, some pain and suffering rewarded. Now, um, along with that, let me just mention that if you have homeowner's insurance, there depending upon your policy, if you're injured somewhere, you may be able to submit a claim through your homeowner's insurance policy. It depends on the wording of your policy. If you have any questions about your policy, you can do one of two things. You can go to your broker or you can go to an attorney. And my recommendation to you, as much as I love insurance brokers, go to an attorney, you know, just ask them to look at the policy for you. Maybe you'll have to pay $100 or so. Um, you know, if it's an attorney that wants to charge you like $1,000, look at your insurance policy. I think I'd find somebody else. But go get an attorney to look at the policy and explain it to you. Why do I say that? Because brokers are in the business of selling insurance. They get paid. They get commission on the policies, on the renewals. So um, not that they're, they're not being honest, but I don't think that they always know the legalities of the policies. Um, you know, you want another story? I'm going to give it to you anyway. A few years ago, we had a case where there was a client who was buying a bar. And he went to the insurance broker and he said, listen, I want the same coverage that the seller of the bar had. That's, that's what I, I don't know anything about insurance. I'm going to you. You're the expert. You're the broker. I want the same kind of coverage. I'm going to own the bar. So he gets his policies, he goes to the broker, he says, am I covered for everything that I would need? Granted, maybe the purchaser should have done some due diligence and found out, but I can't really blame him because you go to a broker for the expertise and, and you're trusting that they're going to give you what you need because insurance can be confusing. So uh, the broker said, yep, absolutely. And a few months later, there's a guy who is drunk, he gets into his car, and it wasn't a matter of being overserved. In fact, he had come to the bar intoxicated. He sat down. He had a drink. When they realized that he was intoxicated, they actually took the drink away from him, and they uh, called the cab for him. But before he could, the, the cab came, before they could get him, he walked out and walked into the parking lot and got run over by another car and, and killed. 
So the family of the drunk guy uh, filed a wrongful death suit, and when they received the claim, they immediately went to their insurance company, and they said, all right, here's a, here's a lawsuit. Defend me. That's what we have insurance for. And the insurance company said, sorry, you don't have liquor liability insurance, and this did involve liquor, and so we're not covering you, and these people went out of business. And you know, they, they came to, um, to talk about suing the broker, because when they asked the broker if they had everything, the broker said yes. And when they uh, originally approached the broker, they said, give me everything that the other guy had. Give me what I need to be able to run this business. Well, the guy before, the owner before, didn't have liquor liability insurance either. So the broker did what they asked, give me what the other guy had. But it was really the broker's duty to say, all right, look, the other guy didn't have this, but you need it. So that's you know, my issue with brokers. They, they, they don't always know, and they're looking out for themselves. And um, you know, there's, there's the diamonds in the rough. I'm not talking about everybody. If you're an insurance broker... Um, don't think I'm coming down on you. I would just hope that you are doing right by your clients because they do really need you. They value you and your opinion. And, and really, you've got an ethical obligation to uh, sort of explore what they need. So with respect to your homeowner's policy and understanding the terms and what you can be reimbursed for and what your homeowner's insurance will cover outside of issues at the home, just give your policy to an attorney. If it's an experienced attorney who has, um, you know, done or dealt with homeowners policies in the past, it's probably a an hour, if not less, review of the document and a memo for you, and at least you'll know what your rights are. So that if you are injured outside on vacation somewhere, and for whatever reason the hotel doesn't have insurance or the hotel is in bankruptcy. Um, maybe you'd be able to get some, some coverage through your homeowner's policy. So keep that in mind. Um, okay, also want to talk about vacation offers. Vacation clubs, vacation offers. This stuff is out there all the time, and it drives me absolutely crazy. Um, a number of years ago, we had a class action lawsuit filed against a company called Vacation Station. And they were here in New Jersey. And they were working as um, a marketing agent for a very large company called Blue Green. Uh, Blue Green's, you know, all over. They've got these Blue Green resorts. In fact, if you go down to Orlando, right outside the, uh, the city, right in front of one of the malls down there, there's a giant Blue Green building, and, and that's, I believe, their headquarters. They've got these resorts all over the country, and they're essentially timeshares, and uh, they were using Vacation Station to help get people interested in signing up for the timeshare. This is the traditional horror story, bait and switch kind of thing that you read about in the newspaper. What, what happened with Blue Green is that Vacation Station put cars in the malls, right? You walk through the malls and you see the, the cars that they're giving away, and you go in and you put your raffle, you put your ticket in, you put your name, it's free. But you put your name, address, email address, phone number. And if you read the fine, fine, fine print, you'll see that it's typically a vacation giveaway company that's running the campaign, running the giveaway. So you put your name in the box, and that name now gets added to a mailing list. And it's primarily used to target people for vacations. So that's what Vacation Station did. 
they had a car and people submitted their uh, their names and whatnot for the car they used it and they started calling people and their approach was this they'd call you up and they'd say hey great news you won a prize you put um, your name in for a drawing at the Garden State Plaza Mall and we're, we want to tell you that you've won a prize and here's what you've won you've either won the car you've won a, a fully paid vacation you've won some cash or other prizes here's what you have to do to get those prizes you've got to come down to vacation stations office and at the time they were in Hackensack New Jersey and you've got to sit for you know a, a, a little seminar 20 minutes of your life and you're gonna get your prize so you know if you've potentially won a car or a vacation most people were saying all right I'll find the time to go down there and they went and uh, then it was a high-pressured sales pitch and most of these people believe it or not I mean they had like ninja selling tactics because these people 50% plus would sign up for the vacation package and and then of course they couldn't afford it it wasn't what they were sold uh, they could never get any bookings, and there was a class action that that you know, that, that stemmed from from that. Vacation Station was an LLC. They closed shop after the lawsuit was filed, and then that left Blue Green. You know, but my point in telling you the story is not to tell you about the case, but to tell you to be careful with what seems to be too good to be true. And summertime, vacation time, is the time that these companies pounce on you you know you they're all over the place win a free vacation win a free car win a free cruise but when you put your name in the likelihood you're going to win that car is slim oh and let me tell you that with the vacation station stuff right when the people went down for the seminar they would say all right look you didn't win the car you didn't win this you didn't win that but you know what you did win you won a four-day vacation and where do you think the vacation was at a blue green resort but you had to pay to get to Florida where it was going it was going to be a cruise where the cruise was going to leave from you had to pay duty and port taxes you had to pay for your food and all these other incidental expenses right so your free vacation wasn't free um, and the company violated the Consumer Fraud Act in New Jersey but too good to be true is too good to be true don't get sucked into one of these vacation scams. Uh, you know, people ask me often because they, they know that we have experience in litigating these type cases. Well, what about the Disney Vacation Club? What is that? And, um, you know, I'll tell you that the Disney Vacation Club is on the up and up. My brother-in-law has had it for years. Um, whether or not it's right for you is a completely separate story and whether or not you understand how it works but it is on the up and up. It is a uh, program that you pay into and you get a certain number of points per year and then you can use those points to pay for hotel and uh, other um, amenities at a hotel, uh, either Disney hotel, but they also have ones that are outside of Disney. They have ones that are in Europe and all over the, the country, I think all over the world actually. But the Disney Vacation Club is a legit club and so you'd have to look into it, talk to somebody. They do offer, through Disney itself, uh, promotions where they'll say, if you come and sit for this seminar about the Disney Vacation Club, we'll give you $100 to spend, $100 worth of Disney money. 
That's okay because they're telling you up front that if you want the money, you've got to sit through the, the presentation. Um, there is some high pressure, but nowhere near what some of these other companies were engaged in. But be careful. Be careful when you go down to Latin America. Be careful in Mexico. Be careful in Puerto Rico, Jamaica. They've got these booths set up all over there, and they are going to get you and tell you why you are going to save so much money, and this is the best thing for you, and it's really not. So be really, really careful. And if you have any doubt, don't sign up. Don't put your name on anything. And, you know, the tactic they typically use is, yes, but this offer expires in 20 minutes. So go talk to your husband, and 20 minutes later, you better come back because we're, this, it's off. It's over. Don't get sucked into that stuff. It's no good. You're going to regret it. Most of the people who have come to me and said, I want to sue because this company screwed me over, the company's no longer in existence. So there's nobody to sue. And, and now you've got a timeshare in nowhere land, and you can't recover your money, and you, you know, you've been taken. So be very careful with vacation offers, um, resort offers. Be careful. If, if it was up to me, I would tell you not to do it at all. I, I don't even – I won't let my, my family put tickets into um, the, the car drawings or anything that I see at the mall or at a store – because I don't want the people calling my house. I don't want to be hounded or harassed by somebody who wants me to come down and claim my free prize. You know, a number of years ago, uh, we received something at my house at Thanksgiving, right? And it was, you're going to get, if you come to our farm, there's a farm somewhere in uh, uh, upstate New York, you're going to get a TV, you're going to get a turkey, and all this other stuff. And my wife said to me, oh, we've got to go because they're going to give us a turkey and a TV. And, um, you know, I said, you know, I don't, I don't think so. Let's, let's see what happens. And the way that it was written was that you didn't necessarily have to go to the farm. You had to visit the farm online. You had to, you know, have some involvement. I can't remember the details, but it wasn't a requirement that you have to physically be at the farm. So, I call up and I say, listen, I'm going to go on your website. I'm going to sign up for your mailing list. I'd like my prize. I want my turkey and my TV. And, of course, there was no such thing. Oh, we ran out of TVs and, uh, you know, all the turkeys had, uh, um, you know, some sort of disease and they've all died. And so there are no turkeys to give you. And I, I said to my wife, you know, if we had gone, we would have been the turkeys because we would have been dragged in. And you know. Now, they violated the law. They could have been sued but it was a small farm and what are you going to get from them? So it's probably not worth it, but don't be fooled because there are plenty of people out there that are trying to take advantage of you. And, and I don't think it's all malicious. I think some people, you know, they might've had a TV or two at that farm and I hope they had some turkeys, but um, maybe they got a higher reaction or a higher response than what they had thought. And obviously they couldn't fulfill the need. And so they had to lie about the disease turkeys. Um, all right, the last thing, I know we're going to run slightly over today, but, um, you know, I do get to talk about vacation, and I, I am feeling a little bit better until we get off the air and reality hits you in the face. Uh, cruises. Be careful with cruises as well. Same type thing. They're going to offer you things. Um, if you, and I'm sure you've seen them, right, like the Norwegian cruise lines, these people that are getting sick, it's like they've been on the Titanic and, you know, everybody's vomiting overboard and they've had a terrible experience. 
you know, a lot of people will go to the uh, cruise lines and they want their money back. And there's really legitimate reasons why they should get their money back. But the cruise lines say no. You know, what do you do? Well, your options are to give up or just accept what they're going to give you or go talk to an attorney. And in those cases, I think it's a good idea because you pay a lot of money for a cruise. You don't want it to be sick, not as a result of your inability to have a, a pair of sea legs, but because of something they did, you know, uh, food poisoning, because of something that their chef did, the contamination in the food, um, maybe improper operation of the boat, those sorts of things where there really is a negligence connection to the cruise line. And don't just settle for what they're going to give you. Go out and talk to an attorney and uh, at least get some idea of whether or not an attorney can help you. Um, I want to say one more thing. This is a little bit off the topic, but I want to talk about asking attorneys questions. You know, people call the office all the time, and, and we have a very, very um, good program. We answer people's questions all the time. If you call me in my office, I'll answer the phone. Uh, well, somebody will answer the phone. They'll give me the call, and I'll, I'll answer your question. Even if it's something that we can't help you with, even if it's something that uh, maybe you don't need a lawyer for. But, you know, I believe that that's part of our duty as lawyers, not to be, you know, uh, bad people like so many unfortunately um, are, uh, but to kind of give back to the community, to give back to people. I think that's what we do a show like this. You know, we, we, we do a show called Understanding the Law to help you understand the law because I think it's important for people to know what their rights and obligations are under the law and uh, to not be taken advantage of, whether you're a business, whether you're an individual. So my point is, is that a lot of people are hesitant to call a lawyer and ask a question because they're going to get, I don't have time for you, it's going to cost you money, but not every law firm, not every lawyer is like that. Uh, we, we handle calls every day, and so many people call, and they have questions, and, and most of the people either can do this, whatever they're going to do themselves, because it's a very small uh, dollar amount. You know, their neighbor knocked down a $25 hedge, and they want to sue. Certainly, you shouldn't pay an attorney to do that. Uh, but ask an attorney questions. Don't be afraid. And if you get an attorney that's a jerk, move on. Find somebody else. Because nobody should be charging you to answer a question. And if, you know, a cruise issue comes up, a vacation issue comes up, and, and you call a lawyer and the lawyer is rude to you uh, or the lawyer dismisses you, doesn't want to listen to your, your complaint, then that's not the lawyer for you. you know, just yesterday we had a guy come in. Uh, he, he was supposed to have a call, but he showed up. And we didn't turn him away. I sat down with him and I said, you know, what's your issue? And he had absolutely no case whatsoever. But I told him and I explained it to him. I spent a good 15, 20 minutes with him and he walked out realizing what his rights were. And that made me feel good because I want people to understand a little bit about the law. That's why we do the videos. That's why we answer questions on, online through um, you know, various websites because I think that it's important for you to understand your rights. So that's uh, just an aside, but I just can't stand it when people call up and they say, 
oh, I, I hate calling lawyers. I know you're probably not going to listen to me. I know you're going to tell me that you need money. That's not the case with every lawyer. It's unfortunately the majority of lawyers are like that. But don't despair. Don't give up. Um, you know, call. Call a lawyer. Ask a question. All right. Now, I want to tell you that next week, next Thursday, we are going to go back to our regularly scheduled format. And we have Stephen Mansfield, who is a New York Times best-selling author, who is going to be on. And he's going to be talking about his new book, The Search for God and Guinness. And it's, um, well, the subtitle is A Biography of the Beer That Changed the World. And they're going to, he's going to be talking to us about his book and about the Guinness Company, um, the connection between religion and the company. Uh, it's interesting. It's very fascinating from a business standpoint to learn about a company that has a religious background and it sort of flows through their business. Uh, Stephen's written a number of other books, and um, they primarily focused around um, men and, and leadership and workplace issues. Uh, one of his books is Mansfield's Book of Manly Men. Uh, hopefully I would be at the top of the list, although I'm not sure. I'm going to have to talk to him about that. Uh, he's got a book about Abraham Lincoln, got a book uh, entitled Killing Jesus, Lincoln's Battle with God. So he's a, a very, very well-known author. He's written a book about uh, Barack Obama, The Faith of Barack Obama. And we're very um, eager to have him on to talk to him about his new book, to talk to him about his experiences, and uh, to see what we can learn from him, not so much from a legal sense, but from a business sense. So this is going to be a good show for anybody who is interested in business. Um, we're going to talk to him on Thursday. And then uh, look forward to this weekend, uh, probably, probably Saturday night. We're going to work out the, uh, the final schedule, and eventually we'll post on the new website our program schedule. Um, but I believe it's going to be Saturday night again this week at 8.30. We're going to do a 30-minute recap of the week, which will include the three things that I believe should be illegal this week. Um, last week we talked about three things and, um, well, I've forgotten because there are so many other things that should be illegal in my mind. I believe it was the playground salespeople who tell me I don't have to stain my playground ever, uh, people who we invite onto understanding the law and then they decide to take our topic and do their own show. And, uh, and there was one more that I can't remember. That's, that's, that's a shame. But if you listen to episode 60, um, it'll give you my top three things that should be illegal last week. This week, I've got three more things that I think should be illegal. So it's just a fun little segment. That'll be Saturday night, 8.30 to 9 o'clock. And then um, we are going to be starting some additional programming on Monday mornings and um, – you know, hopefully it'll it'll sort of round out the interview show because it'll be uh, Monday mornings. We're going to be more about um, sort of legal issues that we're going to be looking at this week, and then the Saturday night show will be a recap, a little bit of a more laid back approach, and then Thursdays will be the traditional interview with business leaders, authors, educators, uh, actors, and actresses. And uh, obviously, there's a tie-in between legal and business that we're trying to, to elicit from these guests. And it's just something that we can learn from. I mean, it's really 
a business development, legal development type show where you can get some really good quality information from people that uh, you can utilize. Um, you know, it's like going to a seminar, and uh, even if you hear one little thing, one new piece of information at a seminar, and you, you use it, I mean, it can help your personal and business development. So uh, I think it's a good thing. You know, recently we talked to Cord McCoy. We talked to um, uh, Steve Darnell of Welder Up, and really, really great interviews. They talked a lot about what their struggles have been and how they've persevered and been successful. So it's really great. I mean, to, to learn from people, Lori Cheek was on a few months ago. We talked to Lori about her struggles and her challenges and her successes. And I really think that if you are an entrepreneur or a business owner or, um, you know, working for a company, trying to work your way up the ladder, I think it's a really good show to listen to because we get some good advice. And, and even if you learn one thing from somebody, it's one thing more that you can now utilize in your arsenal of, uh, of business to, and success tools. So that's, uh, you know, that's what I've got to say about that. Um, also, don't forget, I keep reminding people, but don't forget about our, our free app. It's available through the iTunes App Store. It's right now available for the iPad and the iPhone. It allows you to ask questions from your iPad or iPhone directly to an attorney in our office, and you will get a response from an attorney. Um, you know, I, I, people go online, right? They search up these legal questions. They hope they're getting responses from someone in the legal profession, not just some know-it-all uh, or not, not, not a paralegal that, that doesn't really know. So the idea behind this app is you're going to be connected directly to an attorney. So if you get an answer or when you get an answer to your question, you'll know that the information is, is accurate because it's coming from a licensed attorney, not a legal assistant that, you know, is, is tasked with answering questions uh, and the answer being you need to seek guidance from an attorney. These are going to be real questions, real answers. So go to the iTunes store and download it. Uh, the one part that I forgot to mention to you is that it's free. Yes, free. You don't have to pay for it. There are no in-app purchases. You don't sell your soul to the devil in order to own it. It's free. Download it. It's a public service. It does nothing for us, and we're not making any money from it. Uh, it's just to help you because I do believe in giving back to the community, and this is, this is our way of doing it. It also has uh, or allows access to our full video library. Um, you can listen to Understanding the Law Radio live or download the episodes. Uh, directly through the app, there's uh, information about statute of limitations uh, right now in New York and New Jersey. And you can click on the links and you can look at the statute of limitations. And, and you know, I think it's a good tool and it's free. How many stupid free apps do we have on our phones, right? This is actually one that's free and useful. So I encourage you to, uh, to pick that up. Well, I, uh, I do hope that everyone has a very good fourth of july weekend uh it's going to be a nice three-day weekend hope everybody careful with what they're doing not creating liability not getting injured uh not blowing their hands off with fireworks i hope everybody has uh, a good time um, remember i mean look the things that we talked about today it's kind of like doom and gloom like what's this crazy guy talking about my roof carrier is going to blow off and kill 10 people on the highway well, I just want to warn you that these things happen, and I, I see them, 
because we receive lawsuits that involve these issues. So it's just to warn you about the potential dangers so that you do have a good time on your vacation because everyone is entitled to a vacation. And that leads me back to the fact that I'm entitled to a vacation and need one desperately. So uh, I've been waiting patiently for the offers to come in for the timeshare, for the free vacation homes, uh, maybe somewhere down in Key West, and so far nothing. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed all weekend because maybe when you download this episode, maybe you'll take pity on me and you'll send me you know, some information about how I can come down to your Key West vacation home without my family. Just don't tell anybody because I just need to unwind a little bit. Um, but, all right, I'm kidding. Have a very good 4th of July weekend. Tune in next week. Check out the website, Understanding the Law Radio, utlradio.com. It's brand new, revamped, uh, and it's going to have the programming schedule that we're going to redo and will include the upcoming broadcasts. In addition, there'll be links to Stephen Mansfield's sites and his books on Amazon. So make sure you look at that before next Thursday. I want to thank you for joining me today. Have a great weekend, and I want you to remember that there's power in understanding the law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at you, savings coming at you. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Pros in the know start with Lowe's because Lowe's has the fixtures and the savings to get the job done right. Working on a big bath project? Now you can get up to 35% off select bath faucets. And you can even save up to 20% on select toilets. Plus, order what you need online and pick it up in-store. See Lowe'sforpros.com for details. So, pro, now that you know, start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 3-1 while supplies last. Selection varies by location, U.S. only.